Hey, good morning. Hey, if you're new, I would also like to welcome you. I'm Charlie, the lead pastor here. Really glad that you guys are worshiping with us today. And uh, we are in the middle of a series in James. We'll be in James chapter uh, 4 today. And um, for those who haven't been around, I mean, he's a very straightforward um, kind of guy. Just kind of punches you right in the face and uh, mince words. Just kind of kind of refreshing in some ways and hard in others. Um, so this morning, so, it's, uh, so I... Let's you know a little information. Um, our middle daughter, our middlest daughter, Lauren, she um, she graduated from high school this week, which is really awesome. And so we got two that have now graduated. It's pretty cool. And you know it's a lot of fun and celebration. But you know I mean things like that. I mean you got family coming in. There's just some stress too that goes on in a situation like that. You try to celebrate as much as you can, but there's also a lot of stress swirling and. And, and Cass, this morning, I got here first thing this morning, Cass is asking me about one, one thing in particular um, that he knew was going to be stressful. And I would have told you five minutes before that moment that I was fine, that you know, it was stressful, everything was fine, but I was good. He asked that question, and then suddenly there was this 10-minute rant that just kind of just burst out of me. And um, I would say, you know, I said it in a humorous way, mostly you know, as a defense mechanism, but uh, it was, there was just something that just kind of burst forth, and I'm just like, man, where did that come from, right? Where does all that come from? And I've been, actually, something I've been thinking about for the last couple of months, you know, maybe it's just me. Sometimes I project and say, you know how we are, and you are, and maybe it's me, right? Sometimes it feels like there's just like this, uh, this, this, this rage monster inside me. Like, I keep him under control, but every now and then it just kind of bursts out, right? You know, the stereotypical thing people like to talk about, you know, Someone, someone makes a bad move right there in the traffic, going, going slow in the fast lane, taking more than 0.3 seconds to go when the light turns green. And if somebody cuts you off, you know, that's kind of next level. And there'll be a time, and I'm going to say you because I don't want to say me, and, and, and there's a time where, where, where something will happen. And if you're by yourself in your car, you will say something out loud that you would never say if that human was near you right? And you just, you just, it's like, and and I'm thinking, man, where's this, where does this anger come from? Where, where, what is the source of all this? It's something I've been kind of processing. And so if I were to ask you that question, you know, the anger or whatever, resentment or things that are in you, like, where does that come from? Well, the easiest answer to to give, like, well, I mean, it's, it's them, right? It's them. They're the reason I'm so angry, it's it's the bad driver. It's the it's it's it it's it's the spouse who 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 does the thing. It's the extended family and all their stuff. It's them. It's they 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 are the reason why I'm so upset. Which, and that's just avoiding the problem altogether. When you take the things that are going on inside you, you blame them on somebody else. Another thing that we like to do to kind of brush this off is kind of blame some external circumstances, right? I, I'm just, I'm hungry, all right? I'm just hungry, I'm just hungry, I'm just, I'm just tired, just tired. I've got a lot going on, you know, I, I, there's, just, there's just a lot of things swirling right now. There's lots of ways that we say, and again, the problem is you, you're making me angry. The problem are these circumstances over which I don't have any control. These are the kinds of answers we give, and, and, and it's more difficult, to give the, the deeper next level question, an illustration that I like to use in this instance is um, you go to the wall in the bathroom and there's, then you see a little bit of mold on the wall. You got a handful of different things that you can do in this moment. The easiest one you can do is to get your paintbrush out, right? I'm just going to paint over that mold. Hey, look, 
There's no more mold on the wall. You just paint right over it. Hopefully you won't do that. Some of you might. That's bad. Don't do it, right? You just paint over it. It's gone. The next level thing that you can do is you can take this little bit of wall, just a little bitty part that that has the mold on it. You kind of cut that out. You repair the wall, put it back up. Now the mold is gone. I've gotten rid of the mold. But hopefully you know that the thing that made the mold appear on the wall is still there and it will eventually come back. The harder work, the hardest work, is to rip out that whole wall and to figure out what back there is causing the mold, fix that, then repair the wall, and then you can paint. But that's a lot of expense, a lot of time, a lot of frustration, and sometimes it's just easier just to paint, or, or maybe I'm going to just, just to repair the little section. And it's the same way with the things that are going on in our heart. It's easy for us to pretend that the things, the the anger, the frustration, the resentment, the fear, the anxiety, whatever it is, the thing that's in you, it's easier just to pretend that it isn't there. It's easy to to manage the symptoms of it. But to really do the hard work and kind of and, 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 and get after what's really going on, that's the difficult work. So we, we ask the question like, man, what is really going on inside me? And James has an answer to this question, and we'll phrase it this way, because this is a goofy expression that my wife and I like to use, which is this. The, answer, the question we're going to answer today is, what is the deal with you anyway? Well, what's your deal? What's your problem? What is the deal with you anyway? Because uh, there's something going on. There's something going on inside of us that we need to stop painting over. We need to stop doing the short-term solutions and figure out at the deepest levels of our heart what is going on with us. So again, James has an answer to this, and I think it is going to be a very straightforward in-your-face answer, but I think it is one that should be sobering, but at the same time can be a little bit refreshing because it really gets at the heart of the matter with us. And it's in James chapter 4, starting in verse 1. What causes fights and quarrels among you? So there's the question. What is going on with y'all, right? What causes these fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think the Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. That is why Scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. And there's a lot in there. I'm not going to lie. There's a lot in there. And it's kind of one of these things I feel, man. You just got a, a, a very short window of time. And we're not going to be able to cover all the, all the insights and the things that he says. But I kind of want us to get a big picture of what, what it is he's getting at here. Because I think he helps us a lot. He can, if we'll let him, just kind of help us understand 
not only what is going on inside of our heart, but get us on a path to kind of heal and bring a little restoration to that. And so he asked the question, what is the source? What is the source of all this, this fighting that you guys are doing? And then he says, don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, you don't have, and so then you kill, you covet, don't get what you want, you fight. And so his answer to the question is actually pretty simple. What's the deal with you anyway? You have evil desires and you do bad things. Just straightforward. The reason why bad things are happening to you, you're doing them. And the reason why you're doing them is because in your heart you have evil desires. Now that may not sound amazing. You may not love the way that feels, but we've got to get to get past here for a little bit how something like that makes us feel because the reality of it is it's true. And I, I have to come to terms with the fact that what's going on inside me comes from me. And so as he's describing this to them, it's like what happened is, is you got this desire. You look out and you see things you don't have. And it says, it says here, and this is the second time that he mentions this in the book of James. So I think this is not a hypothetical deal. It says, you, you look what you don't have and then you killed somebody. Killed somebody over, over greed. And then he goes, you, you, you covet. You want what somebody else has and you can't get the thing that you want. So you fight with people. He's talking about greed and this greed that leads to anger. And I think that's a good one. If we're just going to pick one, let's just pick that one. Because I think it's really good for us. Because I think these are some serious questions that we have to ask ourselves. So there's some of you out there, you have more than me. How do I feel about that? How do I feel that you've got more house, more cars, more stuff? You're able to do more. How do, I, how do I feel about that? For some of you, I have, our family, we have more than you. How, do you. how do you feel about that? What does that make you feel? What do you think? And that thing that you feel, is it good? Where does it come from? When you look around and you see a neighbor, a friend, a family member, and they have more than you, and they're able to go on better trips than you. And they have nicer cars and nicer houses than you. Their clothes are better. They're eating out more. They have people that they can pay to come help around the house. How does that make you feel? Do you look at that and say, oh man, that is just great for them. That is just great that God has blessed them differently than he's blessed me. That is so encouraging to me. I mean, because I'm perfectly content and happy with what I have. Why would I even, even give any thought to what someone else has had? Because what God has given me has been such a rich blessing in my life. We would love for each other to believe that that's what we think. But the reality of it is when we look at something and we see that it's not fair, there's this overwhelming sense of entitlement that comes up. I'm as good or a better person than them, and it is completely unfair that they have something that I don't have. If anybody deserves to have that, it's me. And so then the system is unfair, and the system has unfairly treated me. There is something immoral about what they're doing, and it is not right. It is right for me to have, and when I don't have something, that means something 
is broken and I deserve more than what I have. I deserve better than what I have and you should get out of the way for me on the road because I have some place that I need to be and how dare you get between me and go slow in the fast lane? How dare you not go at the stop sign when I say that you should? How dare you think you can come between me? How dare you have something I don't have because you don't understand how important I am. And I deserve more and better than what I have. And when it gets exposed that I don't have something that I should or I'm not able to acquire something that I want to acquire, I'm not able to get somewhere as quickly as I would want to, when I am denied something, I am angry because I deserve more and better than this. You adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity, hostility against God? We have made a decision that what the world tells us is true about what we should value and what's important. We've decided we agree with them. That status and value and importance is about the acquisition of stuff and power and influence. And so in order for me to feel good about myself, I have to have the maximum amount of that. And if there's somebody that I feel is unworthy that has a little bit more power, money, or influence than I do, the thing that I believe that I am fully entitled to, the thing that I believe makes me a good and valuable person, then I will quarrel and fight. I will scream, I will get angry, I will declare the whole world and everything completely unfair. And I will stew and then there will just be this rage monster inside me. That on some days maybe I'm managing the symptoms well. But it's still there. And again, we may not like the idea you have evil desires and you do bad things. You may not like the way that sounds. You may not like the way it feels. But I think it's important for us in this moment to take a deep breath. And acknowledge the fact that it's true. That sure, there may be external circumstances that are causing us some grief. And maybe we actually do live in a world with an unjust system. And maybe there are people who are intentionally in your life trying to make you upset. But the reality of it is, is that the source of most of your anger and all of your frustration is coming from inside of you. And it is you and your inability to overcome the things that are going on in your heart. That's the reason why the bad things happen. That's the reason. It's coming from inside of you. And if we can't ever get past that point, then we're not ever really going to be able to heal and restore the broken things that are going on inside of us. And it begins there. And I think James understands this. Because unlike last week when we looked at James, some, some pretty strong words that he had to say about the way we use words, there was no kind of comma, but, and God is gracious part. But thankfully this week in this chapter and this thought that he has, he gives us that in verse 6. After he says all these things about being enemies of God and, and, and being adulterous with respect to our love for God, he says this, verse 6, but he gives us more grace. That is why Scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. 
And so what he's got here is I think there are three verbs, three verbs that he gives us commands that I think are really important for us to, to kind of grab hold of and I think can provide a blueprint for us to kind of overcome some of this darkness and rage and fear and anxiety and frustration and things that goes on in our heart. And that first one there is talked about in verse 6 where he talks about that he opposes the proud and shows favor to the humble. And I think that's where it, it, it starts is that we have to humble ourselves. You have to be humble. You have to make yourself humble. You have to get to a place, and humble has this idea of, I do not think of myself as more important than what I am. In fact, I were to try to not think about myself all too much at all. I don't think about the things that I have. I don't think about the things that I don't have. I don't think about the things that I wish I had. And I certainly do not believe that I am entitled to something more than what I have or who I am. Because it is that sense of entitlement that is crushing us. It is this belief that somehow any lack that I have in my life is necessarily unfair and I am entitled to more. And the more I believe that I am entitled, the more frustrated and angry uh, I become, the more sinful then I will be because I will act out of this entitlement. And so I think humility begins with us recognizing that. But I think you kind of need to go to this next place and you recognize you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not perfect. It, it, it is my fault. And I'm not talking about this thing where you say to somebody, it's like, oh, I know I'm not perfect, but... I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you just ain't perfect. You ain't. You, you sin, you do bad stuff, and that bad stuff comes because you got bad stuff on the inside. And I'm willing to admit that. I am willing to humbly and completely say, hey... I often am my own worst enemy. So I'm going to give up entitlement, humble myself that way. I'm going to recognize the own sin that goes inside me. And I'm going to then recognize that I can't fix this problem. There are some things in my life that only God can do. And one of them is to heal my brokenness inside my heart. I've, I've done an adequate job on some days managing some of the symptoms of the things that go on inside my heart. Sometimes I've done a good job of painting over it. Sometimes I've done a good job of convincing you that the darkness in my heart is not as dark as what it is. But in the reality of really fixing and healing and bringing life to a dead brokenness in my heart, I cannot do that. And there's a humility that comes from that. There's limits on what I can do. I'm limited. I can't fix every problem. There are some things that I should do that I can't do. I'm, I'm the problem. Because what, what God says is that it's, it's that humility that he responds to. He responds to that humility. He, he opposes the proud, but he shows favor. He gives grace to the humble. Verse 10, it says, humble yourselves and the Lord will lift you up. It begins by saying, I, have, I, I can't do this. God, I need you to do this for me. Because I think there's this part of us, I, I can do it myself. I, I can do this better. But God, God says God opposes that. He's only going to help those who admit the fact that they need help. And the longer we live a life believing and acting like we don't live, need help, the more and more we're essentially spiritual toddlers. I do it myself. I, I, do, I, I do it. 
Bro, you don't even know how to tie a shoe. What are you even, what are you even talking about? I, I, I get my own milk. Bro, you can't even reach the shelf. And even if you could, you're not strong enough to hold up the jug. And even if you could hold up the jug, you don't have enough dexterity to get the milk into the cup. I, I, I do it. And, and unlike really good parents, I mean, maybe you would do this. I wouldn't. I would not allow them to do it themselves just to show them because you won't have to clean up the milk, right? But God's out there letting you make your own messes and then you've got to keep cleaning up your own milk spills. The metaphor's out of control. <laughs> We're telling God, I do it myself, and then we wonder why he's not showing up. Because God opposes that attitude, that I do it myself. But he supports, he lifts up, he gives grace, he affirms, he, he is a friend, he is a support, he is an overwhelming help to those who will humble themselves. And will come before God, I find myself in a situation I cannot control. I find myself in a situation that I cannot fix, and I am desperately in need of your help. I have believed myself to be someone who is entitled to more than what I am. I have bought into this idea that somehow I deserve more and better, and, and, and I'm at the end of myself, and I'm on a pattern that is destroying me, and I need your help. You get to that place, Bible cover to cover. God shows up. And gives you the help that you need. And in verse 7, it says this, Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So our next two words are both in there. We'll take them in reverse order. Not only do we need to be humble, but we also need to resist. It says we need to resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now, I was very clear, and I think James was very clear here too, the very beginning, as he says, What is the source of your quarrels? He did not say it was the devil. That the devil is the source of your quarrels. He did not say that. He said, you are the source of your problems. The evil desires inside you. You are the problem. It doesn't say the devil's the problem. It says you are the problem. Now, I think it is very important for us to recognize that because there are still some of us who may be under this assumption that the reason why I'm being tempted and I do all these bad things is because of some outside spiritual influence that is making me do it. And I promise you, the devil doesn't have to work that hard for most of us, to get anybody to do something bad. You, you doing the bad thing yourself. It's you. But now I'm guessing here in, in 2019, in a highly educated, by, by and large, group of people, that we are more likely not to be on that extreme, but to deny the existence of a supernatural evil force that is prowl, prowling all over the world, looking to destroy people and separate them from God. Now, what I'm about to say does not at all take away from the fact that you are completely responsible for the bad decisions that you've made, and those bad decisions come from bad things inside you. But at the same time, you need to be aware that there is a supernatural presence of evil that, according to the Scriptures, is looking to devour people, to destroy people, to wreck them. And that has to be resisted. And it's important. It's important for us to be sober about the world that we live in. Now, if I were to say to you, if I were to take the devil out of it, take Satan out of it, and I would say that there is a worldly system that is set up, and this system is evil, and it is set up in such a way that it is trying to drive a wedge between you and God, and it's trying to pull you away from God's values, I think we could all agree with that. You just also need to understand that there is a supernatural influence behind it. And regardless, 
You have to resist it. I am no longer going to allow the world, this system that Satan has set up, this world that exists, I'm no longer going to allow it to tell me what does or does not make me valuable, what is or is not good, what is or is not important. I am going to allow God's values to speak completely into that. And I'm no longer going to let supernatural or natural forces tell me anything other then what God says is true about me and what is true about life and what is true about what I should pursue and value. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to resist it. So I begin with humility and I say, hey, God, I I can't do this. And then God lifts you up. And then with His Spirit inside me, I finally now have the strength to look back at this world, to look back at the system, to look back at the devil and his schemes and say, I do not want any part of that. God tells me I am wonderfully made. God tells me I am loved. God tells me I can be content and I will be. God tells me that, that, that this pursuit and lust for power and influence and, and resources, that that will destroy me. So I reject your idea that, that somehow where I am on this influencer power finance scale tells me how valuable I am. God says I am valuable. And I resist all of this. I humble myself before God. I resist this. And then ultimately, verse 7, I submit myself then to God. I humble myself, I resist, and then ultimately I submit. I submit, I mean, it's just, again, it's just one of those words. Words, this is, does it feel very American? I don't really like it. I don't like the idea that I think that somebody could tell me what to do, that somehow I'm not in charge, that somehow I'm not in control. Submit has this idea of like, I'm going to say that somebody is better than me and I'm not going to do that. It's just, it, just, it just doesn't feel, I don't, I don't like it. And I think there has to be a point if we've gotten to the right spot with humility, it does not matter what you like. In fact, the thing that you like is part of the problem. And I think to give ourselves a good definition of what we mean when we use this word submit, we'll just use, we'll use this. We'll, we'll say it means to hand over something. Because we use, we use submit, we use it in a different, different context, you know. Uh, you, you have to submit um, a paper to a professor, to a teacher. I take something as mine and I hand it over and I hand it over to the, to the teacher and now it belongs to the teacher. This is now yours, I give it to you. And now you get to assess whether or not it was good or not. I'm handing it to you. So hand it over. Um, wrestling match, jujitsu, like that. You got yourself some, some hold that is going to break your arm if you don't say anything. I submit. It's like, I'm out. I'm out. I, I hand over to you um, the victory. You, you are the winner. And with respect to God, what you're saying is, is I'm handing over the authority. And, and, and I essentially will just say this, the metaphor. That, that I'm handing over the keys to my life. The authority, the direction, the value, I'm handing that over to you. I've humbled myself and I've recognized that I'm inadequate to do it, but ultimately beyond that, I need to go to the next place and say, I, me in control is only causing problems, and God, I submit the authority and the direction of my life, I submit it to you. I want you to now be in charge. I want you to now be in control. I am not worthy. I am inadequate to lead my own life because of what's going on with you. You are more than adequate. And I submit to you. You now decide who we are. You now decide what we do. You now decide what we value. You, it, now, now it's up to you. 
I submit. I give up. I surrender. I hand it over. And then what he says, you come near to God, he will come near to you. Humble yourselves and he will lift you up. The favor of God will show up. This is what God does. But it starts with that humility. It starts with the recognition of what's going on inside me. And this is really where the gospel begins. It's a recognition that I find myself in a sin problem that I can't fix. And so I humble myself. God, I can't. I'm inadequate. I can't fix myself. I need your son Jesus Christ to die for me. And I submit myself to him. And if you have never done that first step, kind of in this process of humbling and resisting and submitting, we encourage that. Our prayer and hope is that you will do that and give your life fully to God through Jesus Christ. But even if you have given your life to Jesus, I think this pattern still holds. There are some issues in my life that aren't working. There are some parts of me that are broken. And I'm still under the false impression that I can do this. Or maybe I don't really think of some of the evil desires in me as evil because I believe I'm entitled to the thing that I'm craving. And what I need is humility. And I need to resist the system that is, that is confusing my values. And I reaffirm my submission. God, I, I, want, I want you to be in charge of me instead of me being in charge of me. So as we always do, it's a great time just in these last few minutes to have some time of reflection, kind of pray and, I, and, and, and to talk to God. And I would just give this up. Humbly confess to Him the thing that you, you know to be true. Make it real when you say it. Say it out loud to God so it's true to you, to Him. God, I can't. I can't. I need, I need you. And just watch and wait and expect in that moment that God is going to lift you up. And begin this process of just submitting yourself fully to Him. And watch then as He draws near to you. Because it's time. It's time for us to stop just painting over the darkness that is going on in our heart. We've got to stop painting over it. We've got to stop managing it a little bit, but really get at the root and let God come in there and bring real healing. So as always, we've got lots of ways to respond. Prayer team would love to pray with you. There's prayer candles, communion. You can pray at the cross. We've got opportunity to give. We're going to worship. But let's humble ourselves before God, submit ourselves to Him, and watch Him do awesome things in our heart and life. Let's pray. God, again, I just thank you for the refreshing but challenging words from James. And I do pray that we would be willing to be humble. Admit that there are things that we cannot do. God, that we would give up the entitlement that we have. That God, that we would resist this world and its values that define, make us define us, define other people, define what is or is not valuable. And I pray that we would fully submit to you 
And again, we are thankful for your son, Jesus Christ, whose death and resurrection makes this all possible. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.